And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. I can't believe it's Friday afternoon already. Luke Smith from Envision it's, Financial. It comes around so quickly every week. It's like I'm here every other day. It certainly <laughs> feels like it, doesn't it? I can't believe it's September. It's uh, That's exactly right. Today is the last day of September. So tomorrow, it's October. Well, it's my daughter's seventh birthday today. So, you know, we've had a, uh, a blockbuster of a, of a day. So, yeah, it's always the end of the month. It's a good reminder. And a long weekend ahead of you. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of uh, fun and games uh, for the family over the weekend. But yeah. we're here to talk about money. And before we talk about today's advertised yes. topic, you have breaking news. <laughs> well, it's not, I'm not sure I've got breaking news. It's I've got some breaking news. Some common sense has prevailed and some some preposterous legislation has been squashed, as I understand it. Um, what we're talking about here is the Queensland government's yeah. very bizarre decision to impose land tax on properties that are not even in Queensland. Yeah, well, focus. that's not strictly accurate, but that's close enough. Yeah, look, so yeah. it was a weird proposal. It was, uh, yeah. in, the, in the words of uh, the Real Estate Institute of Queensland, it was illogical, yeah. and uh, in my assessment, it was completely unworkable. Yeah. And in the end, the Queensland Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, yeah. has seen the light and said, well... I guess we'd better abandon that idea. I think yeah. because all of the other premiers had a yeah. quiet word with her and said, we're not going to cooperate. Yeah, and I think that's that was exactly, I think it's it's one of those ideas that probably there's a state there that needs some money um, and someone, whoever the, the guy is that came up with it, who's still got a job amazingly. Um, yeah, that'd be uh, Mr. Dick. That's it. Well, Mr. Dick, he uh, he's probably gone. I'm oh, not making that up. That is yeah, his name, yeah, Cameron yeah. Dick. He's the you treasurer. Don't even have to joke about that on a treasurer Friday, of yeah. Queensland. That's right. Yeah, he's probably gone. Oh, here's a great idea after nine beers. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know how we're going to logistically collect things from around the country. His, and um, the New South Wales Premier said, "Well, we're not sharing any information with you. Yeah. So run at me." Yeah. Um, yeah, basically the idea was that land tax would be assessed on the total value of your property invest- investment portfolio, regardless of where in Australia those properties yeah. were, raising the question, how can one yeah. state government impose a tax based on property held in another jurisdiction? It's got none of the, nothing to do with them. It's none yeah. of their business. Anyway, common sense has prevailed. Beautiful. And uh, we can all move on with our lives now. We can all go back to Queensland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The sun is shining on the Sunshine State once again. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Today we're here to talk about uh, dividends, and in particular, yeah. it's tax time. So we're thinking about what income we've received through the dividends that we get from our share investments. Yep. But are my dividends tied directly to the value of the shares that I own? And I guess this is a bit of a tricky one because some people might be a little confused about the difference between the fluctuating value of the shares they own and whether or not they're still getting any income from those shares. Correct, and exactly one of the points I want to try and sort of differentiate today because one query or one concern that a lot of people have when you sort of throw this around at the pub is, well, my value of my super's come off over the last eight to ten months for every economic reason that we're facing as a headwind at the moment. And we're seeing unprecedented volatility on a day-by-day and week-by-week basis where we're seeing positive movements like yesterday. Market was up 1.8%, 1.9% off the back of some news. Sorry, down again today. And down again. <laughs> to, and, and there's a great example, right? So it's it's very, very fickle at the moment in relation to where inflation's going, where interest rates are going, and a raft of other concerns. Um, but I want people to keep in mind that if you've got a well-structured portfolio and you're generating ongoing income, that income is a product of earnings and profit, and the share price and movements in the share price are a reflection, a reflection of sentiment, 
how we feel, be it positive or negative. They are not directly correlated that if the value of your CBA shares goes down, it means that your dividend is going down commensurately to that change in share price because they are two completely, in a way, unrelated entities. Well, generally speaking, uh, the price of the share might fall, but in most in most cases, companies try to keep their dividends stable. So if you yeah. were getting paid a $0.10 cent dividend before, you'll probably still get paid a $0.10 cent dividend unless some other more fundamental issues have changed. That's right. and, and that $0.10 cent dividend, uh, it might have previously represented a 5% return, but if the share price has fallen, technically it's actually now a higher percentage rate of return on the reduced value of the asset. Yeah, it is. That's exactly right. But you need to be mindful that if a share price is coming off or we're moving into a recessionary-like environment where earnings may fall, then your dividend may be reduced. And, you know, we saw that through COVID where some of the banks especially retained some of their earnings and didn't pay out all of their money because they wanted the capital protection for their balance sheet, which is completely understandable. Yeah. And we saw that through the likes of the GFC and, and, and a number of other economic events where the income can be affected by what's happening from a, an earnings and a profit perspective. But that doesn't mean that the earnings move in the same way that a share price does off the back of positive or negative news. So it's really important that people understand that in their portfolio, yes, we all want to see the value of things go up and everybody associated with super funds and investments is trying their best to get the most out of a very difficult environment. But if you're generating 35 to 4% income within your portfolio and you only need a little bit of your capital to be able to live the way you want to live, I think that significantly reduces your reliance on the market value of your portfolio. And I'm not saying that it's not important for things to go up all the time, but like anything in life, we're looking at a slowing down of a property market. Yeah. We're looking at a negative fixed interest market at the moment because cash has moved up so significantly over this calendar year. We've also seen the value of international investments come down because the US has a lot of inflation issues, they've got rising interest rates, and there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment. So the only way I would be sitting at home in a panic would be if I'm going to go and spend all of my accumulated super in the next two years. If you're going to go and spend everything you've spent your working life accumulating in the next two years then yes, I'm quite happy for you to be extremely concerned about what's going on. But the actual reality of people's situations is this is a marathon and not a sprint. You hold a good, well-diversified portfolio. You have income that comes from different sectors, be it property, be it infrastructure, be it Australian shares, be it fixed interest. You've got reoccurring dividends coming into the portfolio over the course of 12 months. And provided you're not living excessively, and by that I mean drawing a lot more than you're earning, the value of your portfolio will be very sustainable. Yes, you may see the value come off in the next 12, 18 months, two years, but over the longer term, if you go back and look at a market, good strong income is repeatable, market value of assets goes up and down, and you know, as, as we were talking before we came on air, if you've got a million dollar portfolio, and that's generating $40,000 of income, and you need fifty or 60000 to live as a retired person, you're touching 1% or 2% of your capital. That, for me, is not something to start sweating about at 3 in the morning. And if you are, then maybe you're not in the right asset allocation. Maybe you're a lot more conservative than you realise. And as we've said in previous shows, that comes with its own risks. 
because the more defensive you are, the lower your ongoing income, which means you're more reliant on the value of your shares because you're accessing capital. So it's very important that people keep in mind that you need a good, strong balance of distributable income and hold good quality assets with a well-diversified portfolio, or as I say in other shows, if the speed limit's 100 and you mm-hmm. do 90 to 110, your chances of getting a ticket are far less than doing 180 in a 100 zone, and you're going to get to your destination a lot quicker than doing 40 in a 100 zone. Both extremes are, are, are dangerous. If you stick to your knitting and accept, yes, there's some short-term pressure, but I've got good income in my portfolio, that will underpin your return over the longer term. I guess the other thing to remember too is that when the value of shares is fluctuating, it's a bit turbulent, it goes up, it goes down, maybe it goes down a little bit more than you'd like it to go down. If you've got 10,000 shares in Telstra, for example, you've still got 10,000 shares in Telstra unless you've exactly. panicked and sold them. And, and that's, again, why I stress if you've got good, strong income and that's coming out of the portfolio of assets that you have and you're touching in that example before, if you're earning $40,000 and you need fifty to live, there's $10,000 that you're accessing from your total portfolio's capital. Now, if you were clever about it, you would hold 12 to 18 months of cash in the bank anyway to cover those shortfalls so that, as you've noted, the invested value of your portfolio is maintained. Because the last thing you want to do during times of weakness in, in valuations is to be selling down units to then live the way you want to live. And that's one of the big problems with Um, a unitized fund that doesn't pay dividends is that you're selling down invested units during times of weakness that won't allow you to benefit from an uptick in market valuations as more positive news comes around. And as I said before, we're, we're seeing huge gyrations in relation to, you know, daily values, weekly values, both positive and negative. And I think that'll continue for the foreseeable future. The other feature of dividends, of course, is that generally speaking, not in every case, but generally, they come with franking credits attached. Now, what's the importance of that? Yeah, so franking credits are really important, especially when you've retired, because for most people, the earnings inside a pension account are tax-free. And a franking credit is simply the tax paid by the company that you're investing in. So let's look at that CBA example again. I've earned uh, 5% income from my CBA shares and they pay tax over the course of the year. And in your statement, when you get your tax statements, they say you've got $500 of income and $250 of franking credits. And that's just the tax that CBA has paid that they're passing on to you as a shareholder. Now, in a pension account that is a tax-free environment, you're getting $500 of dividends during the year, and there's another $250 there of franking credits. Now, in a tax-free environment, That's cash that comes back to you from the ATO when you lodge your tax return. So maximising the use of franking credits in your superannuation can help underpin a really strong income stream and maximise the amount of income that your portfolio is generating that you can live off. And again, reducing the need to access capital between what you need to live on and your total earnings over the course of a year. So using a fund that allows you to maximise franking credits is, is vital to a sustainable portfolio over the longer term. Today we're talking about dividends and their connection or otherwise with the value of shares, and particularly uh, in the context of tax time at the moment. We're all busily going through all our paperwork, making sure we haven't lost any receipts. Exactly. But uh, Luke, what are the key things to remember when we're looking at our share investments and the income from them? Yeah, look, I think the first thing people need to keep in mind is the context of what's gone on. 
Last year was a very strong reporting period. So portfolios last year had very good numbers coming off very poor numbers in 2020. The other thing people need to keep in mind at the moment is the end of 2021 was a very, very strong period for markets. They were at sort of record levels. The ASX 200 was at 7,500 points leading into December. So when you're comparing this year, 12 months backwards, the numbers look extra bad uh, because they were so high this time, end of 2021. So keep that in mind. Um, but also remember that you're not going to spend everything in your portfolio in the next two years. So don't get wrapped up in it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. This is a long-term proposition for 99% of people. And if you've got a well-diversified portfolio that we said before the ad break is generating 4% income and you need 1% or 2% of your capital, that's not the end of the world regardless of the movements that you have. Now, if you hold highly speculative investments or you hold a very high allocation to growth assets, you will see an exponential change in value compared to somebody that is a little bit more defensive than you are. So don't get concerned about what your mates are doing. Don't get concerned about what your friends may or may not have seen. And always talk on percentages because we find a lot of people say, oh, it's come down this much and they talk dollars. Well, you need to know as a percentage of what. So have a strong income in your portfolio. Check that you're maximising franking credits. Maintain a strong asset allocation. Ensure that your dividends are in well-structured, well-balanced companies. Um, if you buy highly speculative things, like anything in life, if it's sexy, it's either going to be expensive or dangerous. Okay, And that applies to all facets of life. So if you buy some good, boring quality stuff in your portfolio, you'll get good quality reoccurring income. It doesn't move at the same pace as a change in capital. So if your CBA shares have gone from $90 to $50, or they've gone from $110 to $85, don't assume that the income moves in the same way. Because as we said before the ad break, income comes from earnings and profit. The change in share price is a reflection of sentiment. Do we like it? Do we not like it? And we come back to the Banking Royal Commission. Everybody poo-pooed the banks. All the bank stocks came off. But during that period, CBA still made billions and billions of dollars of profit. So look at your portfolio. What am I earning? What am I taking from it? And can I generate some more income? And remember that going forwards, fixed interest assets will pay more than they did last year because we've seen a rise in the cash rate. So there are a number of positives on the horizon and we just need to remember that this too shall pass. When things are good, it passes. When things are bad, they pass. We just need to get through this, for use of a better term, economic storm at the moment. Yeah. And when that passes, we'll get back to normal behaviour and we'll we'll look back on it and, and have a laugh a bit like what we did with COVID. Yeah, and it's realistic to anticipate that there will be some continued volatility in the in the next 100%. six months or so, For sure. uh, possibly even beyond yep. that. And there are concerns about rising interest rates and it's a little bit of uncertainty about how far they'll rise. But yep. eventually they'll stop rising and yep. then they'll start falling again at some point. And that's exactly where we need to get to. At the moment, a market is looking forwards and saying, well, what's going to happen to cash? What's going to happen to earnings? Are we going into recession? Is America going to go into recession? How high do they move their interest rates? So there's a lot of economic speculation at the moment, and we just need to get through the current cash rate rises uh, to see where they sort of flatten out. Yeah. And then that'll give us a new benchmark as to where we can peg earnings going forwards. But there's still going to be some turbulence in relation to reporting and any other positive or negative news that is outside of what's being factored in at the moment. 
as we've seen this week, could be very, very positive, could be very, very negative, and that will continue. But we just need to keep in mind that this is a longer-term play, and if you hold good quality things, you'll you'll come out the other side of the storm in, in really good condition. Yep, keep an eye on the long term. So, Luke, where can listeners get more information? Yeah, 62604749. Uh, I think we've got some appointment space in November at the moment. Uh, you've got envisionfinancial.com.au. We've got the podcast, the strategy stack of Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify, and we've got the YouTube channel Envision Financial Canberra where you can catch all of the radio shows on your iPhone, key takeouts from before and after the ad break, and uh, there's nothing there that you can't do from the couch. Which is just the way we like it. Beautiful. Indeed. Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Now, you'll be back again next Friday at yes. the usual time. I won't be here. That's it. We'll you'll be, see you. You'll be, you'll be chatting to Rod instead. That's it. In with Rod and we'll see you a week Friday. Absolutely. I'll be back the following week. Thanks very much. No dramas. Luke Smith from Envision Financial. And as I said, Luke will be back again at the same time next Friday afternoon.